0: All right, good morning. Good to see everybody here at our main campus. Welcome to you guys that are joining us online. So if you couldn't tell by the wave of people going in and out, I was way over on the first service, so we'll just jump right in and get started. All right, so we're doing a series called Does Prayer Work? And here's the premise behind it. Most people in this room, if you had taken an opportunity over the course of your life to offer up a prayer, probably most of us in this room have the same story. I prayed, I asked for I wanted and it didn't work. that fair to say? Right? Like I asked for something, I believed in something, I wanted it to happen, but wanted the way that I wanted it to happen and then it didn't happen. So what we're going to do is we're going to process that, right? Like we're going to try to figure out what does it really mean when we ask the question, does prayer work? Well, one of the foundations that we started with is is that we should understand how to pray. Like we should understand, you know, uh, what's the, the emphasis on prayer and what should we be going after? And then we can move into dissecting certain prayers. So last week we set a foundation, right? So here's the foundation. Simply, although it's not simple, but simply, this is what prayer is. Relationship with your Father in heaven, God, right? It's you building a relationship with your Father that is unseen in heaven. Your relationship gets built when we pray, right? Now, here's the funny thing about it. Here's what you know about personal relationships with fathers and mothers, right? Like, Here's what you know. If you have a good relationship, so if any of you guys in this room, you have a good relationship with your dad, what do you usually do? You talk to him, right? Like, if you had a good relationship with your dad, you talk to your dad. You know, even if it's just like, hey, want to let you know what's going on, or, you know, this is what's happening, or maybe it's not a father, but a father figure. And here's the other thing that you know. The deeper your relationship is with your dad, the deeper the conversations that you have. True? right? Like the deeper conversations, like no longer is it just going to be, this is what I'm doing. This is what's going on. You know, this is the surface level stuff. It's going to be, let me tell you what's going on inside of my heart. Well, the same concept is for prayer, right? So the concept is if you have a relationship with your dad, father in heaven, right? The natural thing is you're going to talk to him, Right? And a lot of people complicate prayer so much, but essentially, he's just saying, like, you need to pray like a child prays to their dad or ask their dad. Like, if you need something, talk to him. If you want to talk to him, just talk to him. Like that, don't make it too complicated, right? So, you need to pray and pray to him to build a relationship. And as you're praying, our relationship should deepen. Right? So over time, your prayers shouldn't be a distant prayer that doesn't build relationship. Our prayers should be something that deepen the relationship with our Father God. Now, the foundation of all of that is, so if that's simple, then, then how do we springboard from something that Scripture says? Well, Scripture says foundationally, here's how you should approach God, like a child, right? Like when you approach God, you should approach Him like a child, which would mean this. Have you ever seen a kid who has a dad, who doesn't ask him for what he wants. I mean, think about this. How many times, a mom, 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 like, however, like, there is a place in their life, like, it's mom, 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 dad. They don't really like, well, I can't ask my dad, and I don't know if I can, you know, pretty sure if I say it the wrong way, they're not going to answer me. Like, no kid thinks that way. Kid. They're just like, here's what I want. Do you have it? And you know what else? If you don't give it to them, they're going to be like, knock, 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 until they, until they either annoy the crap out of you and you give in or you just walk away, right? Try to stop listening to them. Well, this is what he says. If, you're, if you want to approach your relationship with God, approach it like a kid does. Knock on the door, ask him for what you want, move into those things so that, that, again, we can build that relationship, right? So we can see those things go further. Now, here's how today's going to lay out. Today is, I I think probably for some of you, you're going to be thinking, why are we going through this? But we're going to lay a foundation, not only how we should approach it, but how we should actually pray. So we're going to lay this foundation that would say, Who are we praying to and how are we praying and what does it look like and why is it important? And then I'm going to give you 10 different ways to pray. Now, in these 10 ways, these are what I want you to see. In these 10 ways, stay on track with me because some of them are going to be like, hey, I'll do this every single day because this makes sense, like these types of prayers. Some of them are going to be like it's going to come in at certain times and you're going to need them when these things happen in your life. Okay, so foundationally, it's going to be how should we pray, and then here are the prayers that we can see inside of Scripture. Now, different than normal. I normally like to just take one scripture and teach from it and break it down. I don't like to use tons of scripture, but today it's tons of scripture, right? And so I'm hoping you're not going to be able to keep up with your Bible, so just write things down and be able to come back to it. The stuff will be up on the screen, and you'll be able to follow along from there. So we're going to jump right into Galatians 4, and we're going to be looking at Galatians 4 and Hebrews 7 to lay a foundation when it comes to uh, how we should pray or what it should look like. Galatians 4, starting in verse 6, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. So he lays this foundation if you don't know it. So I just, I don't want to gloss over everything and think that you know this. I want to make sure you know this. If you give your Lord, if you give your heart to Jesus Christ, right? Like if you give your life to him, you get a gift right away. You don't have to wait for this, right? You get a gift right away. That gift is the Holy Spirit that comes to live inside of you, right? That's what he's talking about. If you are, or because you are his uh, sons, he gives you a spirit that's going to live inside of you, and that spirit is going to do something for you, right? It's not just going to be in there. So here's what he says the spirit does. He says, God sent the spirit of his son into our heart, and the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. And I'm going to go into greater detail on this in just a second, but here's something that it's hard to understand. Because you gave your life to Jesus Christ, and because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, the Holy Spirit is praying on your behalf, even when you don't have words. Like there are going to be times in your life, if you haven't been there yet, when you're not going to know what to say. And the Holy Spirit knows what's going on inside of you. And the Holy Spirit will be praying out for you, right? That'll be, that's what the Spirit will do on your behalf. And it also changes something. Here's the other thing that it changes. Some of us in this room haven't had the best relationship with our dad, right? Some of us, when we talk about that idea of going to a father and trusting him and building a deeper relationship and all of that stuff, like we've never known what that's like. When the Holy Spirit comes into you, you will understand Abba, Father, like it says in the scriptures, like it'll cry out Abba, Father. You will understand God. God as a father like you could never understand of your earthly father. Does that make sense? I feel like that got confusing. But you know what I mean? Like you don't have it here. You've never had it here. Other men have let you down. Father figures have let you down. But when the spirit of God comes inside of you through the Holy Spirit, you now will understand something about a father in heaven who will never let you down. That's just put in you right it's something that will naturally come out of you that you didn't have before then he also goes on in hebrews 7 23 through 25 and says this now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from uh, continuing in their office so real quick history lesson old testament so if you read the old testament if you sinned right and you wanted your sins forgiven who did you go to A priest, right? So if you had a sin in your life and you needed to ask forgiveness of sin, you went to a priest, right? And that priest then would offer your prayer to God in heaven, right? That's the way that it worked. Old Testament, that's the way that it worked. This is a new way. This is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to say. So here's a new way that you're going to approach God. So you're familiar. See, none of us are, but they were familiar with priests, right? They got it. If you had a sin or you needed help, you went to a priest. A priest went to God on your behalf. So they're like, so you know how what the priests were, but those priests aren't going to be able to fulfill what they have done. So he says in verse 24, but because Jesus lives forever, he is a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives and lives to do what? Intercede for them. So here's what he's saying No longer should you need a priest. Your intercessor to God is Jesus, right? There is no longer a need for a priest. You should no longer have to go to a priest. You would just go to Jesus who now intercedes on your behalf. So here's what he says, right? Or here's what this is laying out. We pray in the Spirit to God through Jesus. Does that make sense? Pray in the Spirit. So this means all of a sudden, because the Holy Spirit's living inside of you, two things are going to happen. You're going to understand a relationship with the Father that you maybe never had right? It's going to be different. You're going to get it. You're going to pray out. You're going to call out Abba Father, which is this term of endearment of like, this is a father that I can trust and I can love. So you're going to be praying in the spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to be praying on your behalf. And this part seems simple, but I don't think it is. And we should be praying to God, right? Does that seem like you're in church? So that would seem pretty simple. Like we should pray to God. But I want to, I want you to hear me when I say this, This might seem very simple inside of this church, that when we pray, we should pray through the Spirit to God. But I want you to know that today, in our leadership of the country, in our leadership of schools, not just in these schools, but around the world, there is an attack on this idea that we should pray to one God. Right? Like that that we should say, prayer to a God that we as Christian people believe is the one that we should pray to, right? In fact, I'm going to show you a video. So if you're watching online, you're not going to be able to hear this. So I'm going to show you a video. So I'm going to tell you a little bit, set it up, and then we'll watch the video and then I'll explain a little bit more. So Congress invites in a pastor, right? to come in, and this is a pastor from a denomination, right, a very recognized denomination um, inside of Christian circles, and they ask him to pray to open up the Congress, right, and so this pastor comes in, and he prays to open up Congress, and when he prays, the things that I want you to pay attention to is, like in the beginning, he's praying, but when he gets to the place, when he says, and we pray too." Right? I want you to listen to that, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about why this is an issue. So watch this video. Okay, now, so don't get too caught up on the a man, a woman. Like, everybody, when they watch this, they're like, oh, my gosh. But don't miss this part, right? This is the part you need to really think through. Here's a pastor of a church in a mainline denomination that's under the heading of Christianity. Says, you can pray. So if you're watching online, this is what he says. You can pray in the name of the monotheistic God. Right, so the the God that we pray to, the monotheistic God. Brahma, do you know who the the Brahma is the God of? The Hindus, right, so you can pray to Brahma. or, Or you can pray to all of these other names because all prayers end up in the same place and all people end up in the same place. This is a Christian pastor in the Congress that leads your country praying and this prayer was applauded by all. And you know why it was applauded? Because it was inclusive. It was applauded because now this is what Christians should do. They should include all. They should say that it's all. But listen to me. If you're going to be a Christian, here's the way it works. The Bible says that you will pray to one God and there is only one way to that God through Jesus Christ. No other way. No other way. The problem is, is that that you just saw on that video. That that you just saw on that video is not just at the Congress level. It's at your school level. Well, like I don't know if you know this, but when we did prayers over schools yesterday, this wasn't just to be like, God help protect them. Though this is, I want you to hear this. Demons. <laughs> are trying to enter your schools, because here's what they know. If we can get the kids, we can get the family, and if we can get the family, we can destroy the fabric of this country. And how do you do that? Because if you listen to the beginning of his prayer, it's pretty good, right? Like peace and all of this other stuff, and you know, it's all good, but didn't just throw in the end inclusiveness that will make everybody be happy, right? Now, don't tell me that's not happening in culture today. Like your kids are being taught to not be right, but to be tolerant. I feel like I'm gonna get in trouble after this one, but you know what I'm saying? Like your kids are taught, like if they were really Christians, be tolerant of all of these other things. Like again, we can love, but we can't tolerate when it comes to allowing that to come into the Christian faith because it's just not true. It's just not true. This is what it says. We pray in the spirit to God through Jesus. Now, to not make this sound, because a lot of people who are theological people that have listened for a long time, I don't want to simplify this in a way that just makes it seem dumb, but I want you to get it and understand it, because here's how prayer works. So I pray, whether it's the Holy Spirit praying for me or me praying, I have something in me that now allows me to enter the throne room of God you know, and pray in a way that I could never pray before. That's praying in the Spirit. And I'm praying to God, but when I pray, I pray to Jesus, right? And then Jesus takes my offering or my request, and here's what happens. They kind of get in a little huddle, so it's Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God right? And they're sitting around, and the Holy Spirit's saying, but this is how he feels, and this is what's going on, this is what's happening in his heart, and Jesus is saying, and this is his request, and this is what he's asking for, and they all talk together, but at the end of the day, God makes the decision to answer your prayer. Now, here's the hardest thing to understand, because I'm still struggling with this. Sits around, the Holy Spirit, this is how he feels, this is what's going on in his heart, this is the request, and God says, No, and this is why he says no, because he sees something in the future that you cannot see, right? He sees something that you will never be able to see. Now, here's the thing that doesn't make sense to anybody that has prayed for things to be different. This just can't be right. Anybody there? Like, anybody ever pray and say that this just can't be right? There's no way this is better, no way. You can't reconcile it, you can't go down, but here's what I'd ask you to reconcile okay? Not that in our mind, because in in our mind, in this world, you will never be able to figure out some of the tragedies that you've been through. Never. You just won't. You're not going to be able to deuce. You're not going to be able to, to boil it down to. Here's all I can say that I believe scripture asks us to do, because this is the crux of it all. To this day, There have been multiple things that I've prayed about, that I believe that Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God had a huddle about and came back to me and said no one, that I still disagree. Anybody else? Still disagree. But here's the thing. I don't have to agree. I don't have to agree. But here's what I do have to do. I have to trust that he knows what's best for me. Even though I don't think it is, right? Now again, I'm not. This isn't easy. It's not like I'm saying, "Oh, just in a moment, it's all going to be okay." Because I'll just tell you this today: some of you will go to the day that you meet Jesus Christ with that grief in your heart. You're just going to. You're not going to be able to figure it out because the mysteries of God on this earth are never going to be figured out. We're never going to understand why certain things happen. We're never going to get there. All I can do is know this. My responsibility isn't to understand it all, but my responsibility is to trust and follow. So when I pray, I have to pray in a way that even though I don't think it's right, I'm going to have to trust that I can move in the right direction. Is that a good foundation? Does that give us the, like, here's what we need, and here's how prayer works, and here's how we offer up our prayer? And I'm going to give you 10 ways that we're going to pray. Here's the first one. Pray through Scripture. Okay? So pray through Scripture or pray with Scripture. Because here's what you're going to find. If you've prayed for a while and you've been in some heavy situations, when you're praying, you run out of the things to say. Anybody? Like you just run out of stuff. I mean, mean, what else can I say? What else can I pray? I have no idea. We've said the same things. And praying through scripture, which Corinne is gonna give you some resources. It's gonna be out on our social media this week and you'll be able to pick it up at the cafe. But there are some books that you can get that teach you how to pray through scripture or use scripture to pray because there are times in our lives where we're just running out of words and we don't know what to say, and so scripture is a way for us to pray for the things that God has already said. So here's Psalms 22.1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries and anguish? You ever heard that prayer before? This was in Psalms. Where did we hear this prayer? Jesus on the cross, right? Jesus was praying because he was at a place in his life where what words do you say when you're on the cross? Right? You just say what's already been said. Like, here is the anguish of my heart, and I'm going to pray the things that have already been said. Or you could do this. Like, you can go in Scripture. There's lots of places that you can do this, and you can insert your name right? Like you can go through like Psalms 91, whenever Sherry was sick, one of the things that we used to do is because you just run out of things to say, how many times can you say the same thing, right? It doesn't help, right? Like when you're praying, it just doesn't help. And there are times where you can only say so many things. So we used to go out Psalms 91, put her name in it and read it to her every night, right? Like this is what God is saying to you and about you. And I'm just going to read it because I don't know what else to say right? So you can do those things. You can use scripture when we don't know or don't have words to be able to do it. So pray with or pray through scripture. Here's the other one. We need to have warfare prayers. There are times in your life, right? And you're going to see this here in a second. There are times in your life where you have some things running around in your mind. Anybody ever have those things running around in your mind that you can't shut off? And you're like, does this ever stop? You know what I mean? There are things going on up here that I just want to stop. And we just keep praying like, God, bring me peace. And God, like that's common with lots of people in this room. Can't shut the brain off. It keeps going. All of these circumstances of life. And then there are times, some of you experience this and some of you haven't. But if you have, you know what I'm talking about. There is a difference between those things And when your soul is troubled. There is a brokenness of the soul that's different than a brokenness of the mind. Does that make any sense? Right? Like these things that are going around, these things that I just, I need to get. And then there are these things that happen in our life that break something that's really deep. There are things that happen inside of us that it's, it's a soul issue that we need to work on. And so when we talk about warfare prayers, John 12, 27 through 28 says this. Now my soul, this is Jesus speaking, says my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? This is right before the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows what's going on. He's praying this prayer in that garden. Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Listen, when you're troubled at the soul, I want to give you an analogy. I read this in a book. This isn't something that I came up with, but in a book it was talking about this this warfare prayer like where we need to go on the offensive. Like there's a time to go on the offensive. And this idea, he used this analogy. It's like, you know, when, when you're in war, and you're pressing in on the battle, right? And you're moving forward and you're moving forward and then all of a sudden you start to lose the line, right? Like all of a sudden you're getting to a place where you're being overrun. Like if you've ever watched these movies and people are getting overrun and they get into the foxholes, right? And and if you've ever read stories about these guys that have been in the foxholes and there's no other option. The enemy's coming, and there is no other option for them to fight the battle. They can no longer do it anymore. And the only way, these guys that are in these military situations, the only way that they're going to prevail is call in air support. And when you call in air support, there is going to be an army of planes that are going to come in, and they are going to wipe out the people in front of them to give the army a chance to advance again. Well, it's no different when it comes to prayer. Listen to me. There are times you can no longer advance until somebody clears the field. There are times in your life where you have to call upon things, warfare prayers, to clear the field and do the battle. Like, this is what I want you to see. This is what I was saying earlier. Like, this whole idea of, you know, we went around in schools and we prayed for schools yesterday and, you know, interceding on the behalf of these parents and You know, these workers and teachers. And the thing that I wanted people to get, the thing that I wanted people to understand, we talked about this before we went up and prayed at Northfield. Listen, do we understand that the battle is not flesh and blood? Do we understand that the battle for this school is not flesh and blood? It's by the principalities, the spiritual war that's going on for your kids today. Like, this is what's going on. And we should approach this prayer with this. We can't advance until we call the angels in to clear the field. Right? Because this is what's happening. Whether we want to believe this or not, this is something we can't win with words. This isn't something we can't win by just saying the right things. This is something that is a spiritual war for the lives of your kids, and we need to do something about it. And when we're in the foxhole and we recognize that we're outnumbered, it's time to call in the air support. It's time to call in the angels. It's time to bring in the people that can make a difference to cover your school, to cover your children, to take care of them in ways that you'll never be able to do right? That's a warfare prayer, like get in the game. Let's, let's get to the place where we're beyond ourselves, and we can only call on those who are going to make a difference. Good? Uh, here's the next one. Prayer, thankful prayers, right? So there's, you know, one of the weirdest things about prayer requests, like you get a prayer request, and you pray for somebody, and then you never know what happens. Anybody ever get that? Like, I'm praying for somebody, I'm praying for somebody, and they're like, Whatever happened to that person? Like, this was an urgent prayer request, and then you have no idea what happened at the end. Well, one of the things that Scripture teaches us is that we should not only pray for needs, we should thank God when he meets them. Right? Because there are going to be times in life if all we do is offer and we never thank, you're going to miss the whole point. Right? You're going to miss what he's trying to do. In fact, in Matthew eleven twenty five 25 through 26, he says this, And at uh, that time, Jesus said, I praise you, like I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, this is what, uh, yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. So he's saying, thank you. I'm glad you answered. My, I asked, and you answered. Then you can do this in multiple different ways. Like, there's an app out there that you can download uh, where you can actually put in prayer requests, and then you can, it'll remind you every day, like you, you, Say, I'm going to be praying for this, and it'll remind you on your phone, like, pray for this, and then you can have this Thanksgiving side where you can put it inside of your phone, like, thank you, you know, like, it's a Thanksgiving, like, God answered these prayers. Whatever you need to do to pray and to to understand that God answers prayers, we need to be able to do, because it keeps this line of communication open, and it shows our thankfulness, not only our asking. Does that make sense, right? As kids, we ask, we also want to thank when our Father answers our prayer, right? So we need to have thankful prayers. Here's the next one. Pray in song. Now, here's what's funny about this is because, you know, there are people, uh, in fact, Grace Diamond was just on our podcast and she was talking about this. Like sometimes it's hard to pray, pray, but man, when I put on a song, Right? Like when I can put on a song, like there is some worship that happens in a song. There is some prayer that happens in a song. I can't get the words out if there's no song, but I can get the words out when there's a song. Right, And, and I think for some people they're like, That's not real praying, right? You know what I mean? Like, that's not real. That's not the way that it works. Well, I want you to hear in Scripture, here's what it says, Mark uh, 14, 26. So Jesus, right before he's doing the uh, communion like we're going to do today with his disciples, and right before they went out, he said, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of all. So they sang a hymn together. They did this for a couple different reasons, right? And I'm going to put it in today's context. So in today's context, the difference between a concert and the difference between worship, okay? So a concert is just to have fun, right? The idea is that you can tap your feet and you can, you know, sing along and you can dance around. And it's just good music, right? And you can relate to whatever that good music is. And most people, here's the funny thing about concerts. Most people that go to concerts are singing, True? Like there's very few people that are like, I don't know why I'm here. Well, I mean, unless you got forced to get there, right? So here's the thing about worship. You know what's different about worship? Worship is leading you into the presence of God, and worship is when what's happening, because here's a little funny alert, you know, so if you don't know this, this is going to be cool. So you know all of you people out there that don't like to sing? You know, you like it's worship music, you know. And so, as soon as the worship music comes on, you're like, "Yeah." yeah. <laughs> you know, the rest of us are like, "Let's go, man!" I mean, and, but you're like, "Just not, it's just not my thing. I don't, I don't sing." You know, what's funny when you go to heaven, you're singing. Yeah. Everybody's singing in heaven. None of you are up there like, "What well, bad song? Not my genre, <laughs> not my genre." Right? Because you know what the funny thing about singing is? Most people, if they find the genre that they like, they're singing. Right? Like whatever your genre is. But when when you come here, you're like, just not my genre. Just not my thing. Well, I want you to hear this and understand this. You know what's happening in worship? What's happening in heaven is now meeting what's happening on earth, and you are experiencing something that can only happen during worship where heaven and earth meet, and those things happen in ways that can only happen in this environment. Isn't that cool? Like when we, so I know you still might be like, no. But man, if heaven's coming down and you're already gonna have to sing, why not practice now, right? Just go ahead, let it out like me. I'm terrible. It doesn't matter. I sit in the front row because nobody can hear me, right? I don't want anybody in front of me. I want to scream as loud as I can because at the end of the day, I don't want somebody in front of me going like, "Oh my." Are we good? Right. So you can pray in song. Like we need to understand that it's not. Not a way to pray. In fact, some of you have been in the most intimate times with your father, God, through song. And it's okay, right? And that's a great place to be. Here's the other thing is we need to pray in faith. So Matthew 21, 22 says this. Jesus replied, truly, I tell you. If you had faith and no doubt, not only can you do whatever was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea and it'll be done. If you believe, you also receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Now, I want to make sure we understand this because I think this is a huge misconception and I think it's ruined some of your prayer lives. right? And I think it's ruined some of the perspective that some of you have when it comes to prayer. Because you would, you would read this, and it says, and if you pray in faith and have no doubt, if you just read it on face value, you can get whatever you want. Isn't that what it would say? Right? I mean, this is what it says. Like, if you just read it for what it says, Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have faith and no doubt, not only you can do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can take a mountain, you can make it move. You can pretty much do anything you want to do if you pray in faith without doubt. There are... Christian people who will focus on this as the mainstream of knowing where your faith is today. Right? Do you want to know if you have any faith? Are your prayers being answered? Right? And I know this because I've experienced this of people who've come from other churches, and this is what they'll say. Like, we'll be praying for somebody, and we have prayed for somebody, and we prayed for somebody, and guess what? God chose not to heal that person and they died. And you know what the response of somebody that comes from that camp is? They didn't have enough faith, they doubted, or they had sin in their life. Because why else would God not answer the prayer? God said, if you have faith and you don't doubt, you know what that does to somebody who just lost somebody they loved? When you say, well, there must be something wrong with you. Anybody? But Anybody in those experiences where you're desperately praying for something and you did have faith. I don't care what he says or what those people says. I did have faith and I didn't doubt and it still didn't work. And you're going to come back and you know this happened when it wasn't personal. And I've shared these stories before that when it wasn't personal. But then when it got personal, so Sherry jumped out of a haymow. And when she jumped out of the haymow, she hurt her ankle. And I'm the type of guy that would be like kind of like my kids, just rub some dirt on it. It surely can't be that bad, right? And so it started to swell. i mean, like, this is what the doctor's going to tell you. Just elevate it, right? So I'm like, just elevate it. And we got some crutches around. Just stay off of it. It's not a big deal. You don't need to go to the doctor. I hate the doctor. Well, anyway, so then it was like gets purple, like all the way up her legs. So we come to church, and she's in crutches, and we're like, uh... Some people came up, and they're like, hey, we want to pray, pray for you. She's like, okay, well, I've, we've already prayed, and, you know, we're going to go ahead and go to the doctor. Long story short, I'll give you this part, but she ended up having, having like three surgeries to fix her ankle, so rubbing dirt on it wasn't going to fix it. But anyway, so we're sitting there, and we bring these people around, and they're praying, and, and the one guy specifically walks up and says, hey, listen, here's the deal. Do you know why your ankle isn't healed? What sin do you have in your life? What? And I'm like, what just happened? You can't be serious. Because I didn't think he was serious. I thought it was going to be like a joke, you know, afterwards. But he's like, no, what, what sin in your half do you have in your life? Because God would have healed your ankle. Because you ask and you didn't have, so do you not have faith, do you not have doubt? Clear to the point where, like, this is, this is serious. You understand this, right? This is serious because this is invading the Christian church. People are who are just saying, pray for it and you'll get it, right? Ask for it and you'll get it, right? Like, that's just not, because here's what I want you to understand. Jesus Christ died on a cross in faith. Because you know what praying in faith is? Death or life. I still trust him and believe him. That's faith. Whether I receive or don't receive, because you know what's funny about praying for somebody to live, and I don't mean this bad because I pray for it all the time, and I trust for it, but you realize that the one inevitable thing on this earth is we're all gone, right? And you know what the funny thing about that is? Like We pray all the time to prolong life, and Jesus says you should just want to be coming home. Why are you praying to prolong this sucker, man? It's way better somewhere else, right? Like you get to go home, you get to get out of this body. It says, "Be on this earth as you're just passing through. Prepare yourself for what is to come." And we're saying, "But, but I don't want to go, and I don't want to go. No, I want to go. I want to go. Like I don't have to think through those things. I don't, don't. I don't want to pray to preserve anything." I don't want to to keep moving forward. And I know for the people we love, we want them to stay around and we want to be with them. But praying in faith is understanding that we trust, whether he does or doesn't, in faith, we still believe that he is the God sitting on the throne that still cares about you and he still cares about me. That make sense? Okay, so pray in faith. Here's the next one. Pray for God's will. John 16, 23 through 24. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in in my name. And until now, you have not asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. So praying in God's will. So here's what I want you to think about. How many times have you prayed for something that you're not in God's will, but you want God to bless it? Now think about this for a second. Very clearly, inside of your marriage today, God gives a will, right? The will for the man, the will for the woman. Yes, right? Yeah, like there's the will, right? And, and so the funny thing is, is we look at it and we're like, I don't really wanna participate in God's will, but I want God to bless my marriage. It doesn't work, right? Like how's God gonna bless something when you're asking him to be a part of your rebellion against his will that's already set? right? Like it's just, I mean, we can pray for things to change, but we can't pray for him to bless something that is against what he said that we should do, right? The same thing is like we're praying for our kids, right? And so we want these for our kids and God has a will for your kids and what we should be doing for our kids and God bless my kids, but we're not, we're not putting them in positions for God to bless them because we're asking him to come into a rebellion that they've already started, but we don't want to do anything about that would make less sense. You see what I'm saying? Like, let our kids move down a path. Like, it's our responsibility as parents. God has a will. Train up your children in the way should go so they shouldn't depart from it. That's our job, right? That's God's will. So we don't have time. Think about it. But we don't have time to train them up in God's will. But we want God to bless our children without us doing our job. Now, does God do that? Maybe, I mean, maybe he just be like, I'm gonna put my hand on that person because they have a future and I'm gonna do it. But for the most part, he's saying, can you do your part and I'll do mine. I'll do the best, I'll do whatever it is. But we can't ask God or the same concept. God, bless my relationship with this person, but your relationship is not godly. Anybody's dating relationship end up not where it's supposed to be Sometimes. But you're like, God, I hope this is the right one. God, I hope you bless my future husband and my future wife. Yet you're you're not living inside of the will. Does that make sense? We need to live inside of the will that God has. And then we will ask his blessing on fulfilling his will, like the things that he wants. We need to pray in God's will. Here's the next one. Pray humbly. Luke 18, 10 through 14. Two men went up to the temple to pray, "'one a Pharisee and one a tax collector. "'The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, "'God, I thank you that I am not like other people, "'robbers, evildoers, adulterers, "'or even like tax collectors. "'I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get.'" First man. Second man, "'But the tax collector stood at a distance, "'and he would not even look up at heaven, "'but beat his breast and said, "'God, have mercy on me, a sinner.'" I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. Pray with a humble spirit. Part of the problem in the church today, part of the problem with religious people is we look up to God and down on people. You get a very religious spirit. You look up to God, right? And this becomes part of the religious culture is we pray up to God, and we Look down on other people. Thank goodness, right? You ever have these? uh, This is the funny thing about uh, prayer chains. Like, I've always said this about prayer chains. Like, I think they can turn into weird things. Like, people wanting to be on chair prayer chains because they want the gossip they don't really want to pray. If you're not familiar with the church, that's a thing. When somebody puts out a prayer, you're like, send it out to everybody and they pray for people or supposed to be praying for people? Or have you ever been a part of this? Like, we're going to get together and we're going to pray for these other people and these praying for these other people becomes your gossip center. Well, let me tell you, we should pray for such and such as marriage. And then pretty soon you're like, I'm so glad my marriage isn't like them. Let's pray for those losers who don't have it right. Let's pray for those, you know, let's pray for their kids because, you know, their kids are Terrible. If they would be a little bit more like my kids, but like this isn't what you say, but you realize sometimes this is what happens. We become very religious in our spirit, and we're thankful that our kids aren't like other kids. We're thankful for that our marriage isn't like other people's marriage. And he's saying, listen, if you ever want to get prayer right, you better start with this. You are no different than anybody in this room. I don't care how long you've been in the church, how long you've been reading your Bible, how many times that you've been around people. Here's the deal. Start with this. Lord, <laughs> I am a sinner falling short of the glory of God, and we're all on the same journey. Because humbly now, I can approach my relationship with people. I'm no different than anybody in this room. And humbly, I can, re- I can approach the God of heaven because he sees me for just that, a sinner forgiven. Just like he sees you, a sinner Forgiven, So we should approach it humbly. The other thing that we should do is not only approach it humbly, we should pray with a forgiving spirit. Mark 11, 24 through 25. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it'll be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may also forgive your sins. Let me read that one more time. Verse 25, and when you're standing and praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. Why should you forgive them? So that your Father in heaven may do what? Forgive your sins. Listen to me. Says it in communion, says it throughout scripture. Anybody, you know, you don't have to raise your hand, I'll raise it. Anybody ever a grudge holder? I think they did that against me. I'm going to get them back. Okay, I am at times a grudge holder right? Like, I'm like, they did this to me. They said this about me. I'm going to make sure I get my two cents in. I'm going to make sure they understand that that's, I didn't do, and they did, and, you know, I have this thing going down the road, and, and I have to remember this. If I am not going to have a forgiving spirit, listen to me. If I am not going to have a forgiving spirit, then God is not going to what? Forgive you, Period. Right, And you know why that is, because here's what I want you to see. Why does he say we need to, to forgive? Because sometimes that feels like you're just letting the little sucker off the hook. Anybody else feel that way? Like you're just letting that sucker off the hook. Well, here's what I had to come to agreements with, and I think this is what you have to come to agreements with. You're not letting them off the hook at all when you forgive them. You're giving them to the one that can really do justice, because you'll never get it done. Yes. Right? Like you're giving them, when you forgive, you're giving them to God who can do things that you would never be able to do, that can have justice that you could never serve. Give them over to the person that needs to work on them because when you're trying to work on them, when you're trying to get it done, you're just in the way. You need to give them over to God and you need to forgive. You don't have to forget. You don't have to forget what they did to you. You just have to say, but I'm trusting that it's now in God's hands and not mine. Because when you live with an unforgiving heart, the reason that he says that he can't forgive you is because Satan's going to have a foothold in your life that he would never be able to have when you're still holding that unforgiving heart. Like he's able to do things inside of you that he was never able to do before. When you forgive and give over to him, he will be able to... Satan won't be able to do the things that he's doing in your heart today. So you need to live with a forgiving spirit and you need to pray with a forgiving spirit. And if you have something against somebody today, just remember this. If you want your prayers to be effective, if you want to go to the throne room, if we want to do it the right way, we need to give these things or these people to the one who can take care of that problem. Good? All right, here's the next one Pray for your needs, right? Matthew 7, 7 through 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. One who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Now listen, here's the thing about needs. Like this seems pretty elementary, like pray for our needs. But do you realize there are a lot of people when you say, you know, what are you praying about? And they're like, I don't know. I haven't really had anything to pray about. I, w- I want you to hear this. Like if you don't have anything to pray for, here's going to be my guess you're not in the game. If you don't have any needs, if you don't have something to pray for, my guess is you're sitting on the sideline watching everybody else do the work because when you're in the game, when you're in the war, when you're in the fray, (laughs) who doesn't have needs? Right? Like if, if you're being like, I just can't figure out what to pray for, get in the game and I guarantee you you'll know what to pray for. I guarantee you, you will have things that are gonna come on you that you didn't have before, right? Get in the game and the needs will come. That that, that when he says pray for our needs, it's he just expecting that if you're gonna be out there battling for the kingdom of God, that you're going to need things, that you're gonna want things, that you're gonna be pleading out for these things to help you win the war or win the day, whatever that is. So if you're at a place today where it's just like, well, the only thing that I can think of is like, um, and I don't mean this bad, but if the only thing that you can think of today, high school kids, is how to pass a test, then you got a problem. I don't mean that bad, but listen to me. If the only thing that you're praying for is to win your game, we got a problem. Win the souls of your friends, then you're in the game. Praying specifically by name for those who don't know Jesus, you're in the game. Pass or fail, you can fit that somewhere in the right? Like, I hope you don't fail, but I mean, does this make sense? Like, we should know these things. If all we have to pray for is just these things, then we're missing the boat. Here's the last one. The worship team's going to come back up. Pray for your burdens, right? Pray for your burdens. Here's what it says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. So when it comes to the concept of understanding burdens, here, here's what um, Jesus is talking about. is He's recognizing something that's going to happen in the life of every single person. So in the life of every single person, I'm just using this as an analogy today, but in the life of every single person, you're going to start taking on burdens. You know, the older that you get, the more burdens that you try to carry. Anybody follow me? Like when you're a kid, you have some burdens, but the burdens just keep increasing and you just keep putting them in your backpack. We right? Like you just keep putting them in, so whatever that burden is and whatever that thing is, and it's, it's you know, first it was money, and now it's my kids, and now it's my marriage, and now it's my Like you just keep putting them in, and you're doing what the world tells you to do, and if the world tells you to do, keep... Fill in that backpack and keep carrying it. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Get a little bit stronger. Get up and keep moving forward. And so you just keep putting them in and you keep putting them in. And pretty soon, this is what God knows about every person in their life today. Pretty soon, pretty soon, this bag gets so full, you can't walk anymore. You can't do it anymore. You've been loading up the burdens. You've been carrying these burdens for so long. And some of us do it in different ways. Like, you know, you've been loading your burden up. So you might be a high school student today, and you've been loading up your burden, and a lot of things happen in the school. And I get it. There's a lot of pressures with all of you kids and the things that are happening. You keep putting these burdens in and putting these burdens on, and life in general is difficult, and life is hard. And, and here's what you do, and maybe you do this as adults too. Your first way of rest is like, I just want to get away. So you get to your phone anybody connect with this like i'm sick of the world i'm sick of what's going on i'm sick of what's happening around me i'm going to isolate myself and i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to sit here and rest and the way i'm going to rest is just disconnect i'm going to get away i'm going to get away i don't want this anymore so i'm going to live in this other world that's found inside of my phone or inside of my tablet or inside of whatever those things are the other way is that you know you might be an adult right and you might be down this road and and Anybody, adults, I know you're not going to shake your head, but you know you have these bad days and you've been carrying these burdens. You just come, come home and you're like, a couple drinks will take the edge off. Yeah? I'm just saying, like in life sometimes, when you're carrying a lot of burdens in your life, you, just, you want something to take the edge off, right? Something that's just going to give you rest, and then that one drink becomes two drinks, and that one, two drinks becomes three drinks. It just whatever it takes to keep numbing right, because this burden isn't changing. This burden isn't going away, and you're self-doing whatever you need to do to make yourself comfortable and to disconnect. But you know what the funny thing is? When all of that goes away and you have to go back into the world, you still have the same burden. You still have the same problem. You still have the same issues. In fact, by the decisions that you made, you might add in another one. You might put another one and you keep shouldering it and you keep shouldering it and then it gets to the place where you need to recognize this. If you're on this earth, burdens will never go away. You don't get to escape that until you stand in front of Jesus. You're always going to have the burdens. Life is always going to be difficult. You're always going to have stuff that you can put in this backpack. That's not the issue. God is not going to take your burdens away. He just gives you an opportunity to give it to the one who can carry it, Jesus Christ. Right? He says... These burdens will never go away, but there is one that can carry them for you. Isn't that great? There is one that I can keep putting all this stuff in that I don't have to carry, that the one who loves me can carry it for me, and that he'll walk down this road and he'll journey, and he says, you know what the trade-off is? Here's the only trade-off. Here's the only thing he asks me. I'm gonna take your burdens which are heavy. I'm gonna take the things of life that are heavy. I'm gonna take the things of life that have been pressing you down. I'm gonna carry those things For you, I only got one thing for you. Here's your new yoke, because his yoke is easy and light. Reach your friends, show them the love of Christ, and allow him to do what only he can do. See, you've been trying to shoulder all of these things in life. You've been trying to fix all these things in life. He says, that was never your yoke to carry to begin with. That was mine to carry, and I'm going to carry it for you. I'm only asking you one thing. Can you show my love to a world? Can you put down the pack and let me carry it? Can you give your energy to the people that need love in this world? Can you give your energy to the people that need Jesus Christ in this world? Can you put yourself in that place? We're going to get ready to take communion together. Here's the thing. So when we get up and we get ready to take communion together, this is what I want you to hear. So this is a time of reflection. So there's gonna be a time of reflection before communion. And in that time of reflection, I would just ask you, search your heart. Where are you? Are you trying to carry that? Have you been loading yourself up? Have you been self-medicating with whatever those things are just so you can get through the day, just so you can get through the week? What are you using to disconnect? Whatever those things are, you need to give them away. And maybe this is the day you give them away. Maybe you put those packs down, you give them to God and take up the one that he asks you to carry. Maybe it's for you. There's today, you have somebody that you've been holding a grudge against, somebody that you haven't forgiven that this time before you take communion, you're just gonna give them over to God. God, you take care of it, I can't do it anymore. I don't know what those things are in your life, but I know that as we talk about prayer and as we talk about relationship with him, these are the things that he asks us to do because Lord, man, he wants to be with you. He wants to love you, wants to be in relationship with you through prayer. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we're so thankful that by the Spirit, through Jesus, we can come to you. That we can be in an intimate relationship with you. That you can and will intervene on our lives and in our lives. That you love us regardless of us. Lord, we're so thankful for that. Lord, I pray as we take communion together, we'll never forget the sacrifice that you made so that we could have this relationship with our Father God. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray, amen.